The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank believes communities thrive when individuals succeed. Working together, we can help create economic opportunity for all. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Friday, May 10th. In today's news, the U.S. intercepts a North Korean ship. Senate Republicans split over the Don Jr. subpoena, and President Trump says John Kerry should be prosecuted. But first, the big idea. American and Chinese negotiators failed to reach a deal by midnight. So at 12.01 a.m. today, the United States officially doubled tariffs on $200 billion of Chinese imports. The two sides have agreed to resume negotiations today, but Beijing has also promised to respond with tit-for-tat tariffs. Because the higher tariffs apply only to goods that leave China starting on Friday, not shipments already approaching American shores, officials still have time to work out a last-minute solution. Bob Lighthizer, the chief U.S. trade negotiator and secretary of the Treasury, Stephen Mnuchin, met with the president last night to discuss the ongoing negotiations. The ambassador and secretary then had a working dinner with Vice Premier Liu He from China, and they agreed to continue talking early this morning. Over in Beijing, after 12.01 a.m. D.C. time, the Commerce Ministry said that China, quote, deeply regrets Trump's decision and said they will have no choice but to take, quote, necessary countermeasures This could involve, in addition to tariffs, state-mandated boycotts of American products, tighter customs inspections, and intensified tax audits of U.S. companies. Trump said yesterday afternoon that he received what he called a beautiful letter from Chinese President Xi Jinping, and he said that the two may speak on the phone to try to break the impasse if their negotiators can't. Trump said Xi's message was, let's work together. Let's see if we can get something done. As the conversations continue here today, there are some very specific holdups, but the U.S. and China also must confront what's probably the biggest obstacle, a clashing understanding of their past. China's history, as the victim of what its leaders call unequal treaties from the 19th century, makes Beijing reluctant to accept terms that might be seen at home as foreign dictates. Trump has tried to reassure China by stating publicly that his goal is not to prevent its rise and that he blames his American predecessors rather than Beijing for the chronic U.S. trade deficit. From the outset of this dispute, which centers on China's technology acquisition policies, Trump administration officials have been determined to avoid what they see as the mistakes of the past. They're constantly faulting previous U.S. presidents from both parties for entering into deals without ever permanently resolving issues of trade secret theft and forced technology transfers by the Chinese. And there are fresh reminders in the news today that China really is a rising threat to the United States. The FCC yesterday afternoon blocked the state-owned telecom giant China Mobile from operating inside the U.S. and from offering phone services to any American customers. Sources said they've reviewed intelligence that shows Beijing is trying to use that company as a vehicle to spy on Americans and monitor our communications networks. And the Miami Herald reported overnight that the FBI has expanded its investigation into whether Republican donor and South Florida massage parlor entrepreneur Cindy Yang has been illegally funneling money from China into Trump's 2020 re-election campaign. Investigators obtained a federal grand jury subpoena 
seeking records from Bingbing Paranyao, an employee of Yang's family spa business. She makes essentially no money, yet last year contributed the maximum $5,400 to Trump's re-election campaign. FBI agents based in West Palm Beach are trying to determine if Yang reimbursed her for that contribution or delivered anything of value to her over that period to benefit the Trump campaign. Reimbursing someone for a political contribution without disclosing the original source is illegal, as is making a contribution in someone else's name. One of the massage parlors Yang owned is where New England Patriots owner Bob Kraft allegedly solicited prostitution on the morning of the AFC championship game. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar this Friday. Number one, U.S. authorities seized a North Korean coal ship for violating international sanctions just hours after Pyongyang launched a pair of short-range missiles yesterday. Justice Department officials say the vessel, the White Honest, was approaching U.S. territorial waters in American Samoa. The 18,000-ton ship is one of North Korea's largest, and U.S. authorities say it was part of a network of North Korean vessels illicitly shipping coal from that country and then bringing back heavy machinery in violation of U.N. and U.S. sanctions. Separately on Thursday, U.S. military officials conducted a scheduled test launch of an intercontinental ballistic missile from an Air Force facility in California. And we learned that Trump called South Korea's president to tell him that he supports giving food aid to North Korea to ease the pain of their mounting humanitarian crisis. Ten million people could starve without enough food, according to a new U.N. report that we talked about yesterday. But some of Trump's top advisors worry that sending food into North Korea might ease the internal pressure on Kim to make a deal. Number two. The Republican-led Senate Intelligence Committee's decision to subpoena Donald Trump Jr. has triggered an intra-party feud. The sudden infighting threatens to undermine support for the Senate's Russia investigation, which is the sole bipartisan probe in Congress that looks at Russia's interference in the 2016 election, and until now has been widely praised for operating with little public drama. Much of the backlash against the decision by Republican Chairman Richard Burr, senator from North Carolina, came from GOP senators who are up for re-election next year and from those closely aligned with the president. The outrage was being pushed behind the scenes by Don Jr. and his allies, who are trying to intimidate Burr into backing down so that he doesn't need to appear. Over on the House side, Speaker Nancy Pelosi said she agrees with her Judiciary Committee Chairman Jerry Nadler's assessment that Trump's stonewalling of congressional investigations presents a constitutional crisis, She said the House will move forward with the contempt vote next week of Attorney General Bill Barr. She also signaled that lawmakers may vote to hold other Trump administration officials in contempt in short order. Democrats got some good news last night as a judge scheduled a hearing for early next week to consider Trump's lawsuit to block his accounting firm from complying with a House subpoena that fast tracks a dispute over the president's financial records that could drag on for many months. Meanwhile, another judge ordered the Justice Department to give her access to unredacted portions of Bob Mueller's report. U.S. District Court Judge Amy Berman Jackson gave prosecutors handling the case against Roger Stone until Monday to provide her with portions of the Mueller report that deal with the president's longtime confidant. Jackson said she wants to review in private those blacked out sections of the report as she weighs several motions from Stone's lawyers requesting access as part of a larger bid to dismiss the case against him. Number three, Rudy Giuliani has been strongly encouraging the Ukrainian government to pursue inquiries into sensitive political issues in America, 
in the hopes that they might find something that will benefit the president's re-election campaign, whether about Joe Biden, whose son did business in Ukraine, or someone else. The president's personal lawyer told The New York Times yesterday that he plans to travel to Kiev, the Ukrainian capital, in the coming days, and that he wants to meet with the nation's president-elect to urge him to pursue inquiries that allies of the White House contend could yield new information. Rudy acknowledges that some could say this is improper, but he says the information could be, quote, very, very helpful to my client and may turn out to be helpful to my government. Over at the White House, Trump himself announced yesterday that John Kerry should be criminally prosecuted for discussing the Iran nuclear deal with officials from that country after leaving office. The president raised the issue during a freewheeling exchange with reporters after an event on health care. Trump has long accused Kerry of holding what he calls illegal meetings with Iranian officials and has argued that the former secretary of state violated the Logan Act, which prohibits private citizens from negotiating on behalf of the U.S. government without authorization. Thursday appears to be the first time, though, that Trump has publicly acknowledged he's asked members of his administration to examine whether they can bring charges against Kerry. Kerry spokesman Matt Summers responds that Trump should focus on solving foreign policy problems for America instead of attacking his predecessors for theater. He said Trump is, quote, wrong about the facts, wrong about the law, and sadly, he's been wrong about how to use diplomacy to keep America safe. Now, exactly who or whom Trump may have discussed his push to prosecute Kerry with is important, and the White House is refusing to answer. Just last week, Barr struggled during Senate testimony when he was asked whether Trump has requested that he open any specific investigations. The attorney general repeatedly demurred and said he didn't know what Kamala Harris meant by the word suggest, as in, has Trump suggested you investigate anyone? As we saw in the Mueller report, Trump hasn't always been terribly careful about overstepping the boundaries between the presidency and the Justice Department when it comes to protecting political allies and trying to use the power of the federal government to punish adversaries. And that's The Daily 202 for Friday, May 10th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you on Monday. Thank you.